This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to the Content Pros Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. As always, I've got Tyler Lassard joining me from Vidyard. And today we're going to jump into an area that I don't know if we've ever really hit on here on Content Pros, and that's influencer marketing. And that's how we use the people who are passionate about our product or the people who are passionate about the spaces that we're in to help build our brand, build our go-to-market. And at the end of the day, obviously this is Content Pros, we'll talk about how you can do that through content. So Tyler, I know this is an area you and I have been excited about because as I said at the beginning, we we haven't really talked about this much. Yeah, you know, it's an area that I think for those of us in B2B marketing, we don't think enough about. And I know our own team has recently started to to amp up our investments in our community and influencer marketing programs. Just seeing the organic nature of it starting to work, we thought, well, if we actually applied a focus to turning these market influencers and advocates into new lead gen sources for us, what could it become? So I'm really excited to, uh, to have Alana Rabinowitz here today from Lion Brand Yarn Company. And Alana, it is... Is, I, I was looking on the website, and you guys are coming up on your 140-year anniversary as a company. Is that right? That's right. 1878. <laughs> that is also, I think, a first for us, Randy. I, that's wild. Like a, a brand that lasts 10 years these days is pretty impressive, let alone one that lasts over 100. So, uh, yeah, could you tell us, just maybe give us a bit of background on your, yourself, Alana, and um, you know, what you've been focused on and, and kind of how your own uh, marketing role has evolved over the last number of years at Brand. So I came here about 21 years ago, and um, I, I was brought to start a catalog business for the company because that was really direct-to-consumer at the time. And somewhere around 1998, I saw that the internet might be a thing, and a lot of people questioned it, and there was some concern about brands having their own website at the time, Uh, but I really have always been fascinated with everything digital, and so we started a website and had actually, we were doing e-commerce in 1998, and then as soon as every possible digital platform came along that made sense for us, we started to engage. And um, I think the next thing we did, we had a, well, we started with a blog in 2007, and we had a podcast at one time. Um, we, had, um, we started on Facebook and Twitter, and as things came along, and they started to be places where people were giving their attention, we felt it made sense to be there. And I had the good fortune of working for a company where they said, you know, go try it out, 
do your thing, don't worry about generating any revenue from this, and it was the perfect way to start our own branded media because um, we could only we only concerned ourselves with what customers would be into educational information, inspiring entertainment, and so we really started to build these platforms um, based on content that was interesting, and we had this uh, strong basis for everything else we ended up doing later where we wanted to convert. So that's kind of a, a short history of how we went from catalog marketing to where people's attention went, which was... That's wild. Um, I mean, it's crazy to hear you tell that story because I think you said 1878, so about 120 years later, dead on, if, if I'm, if I'm mm-hmm. doing the math from the story you told, is when you said, okay, we got to like reinvent ourselves and go to the web. And it's, it's just amazing to think, had you guys not in, in embraced that as an organization, where would the company be today? And I, I think probably that's that's something these days is I was half kidding about if, if we're not continuing continually re-evaluating our approach now almost every couple of years, our company could completely falter. It's true. And that's it's like a great fear of mine that keeps me motivated to find out what's next, what's next, because you really don't want to be left behind using the typewriter and the telephone. Um, you know, we've really enjoyed learning from and communicating with consumers, and so it's been it's been great. I can tell you a a fun story. It happened in two thousand five that would never have happened without digital platforms. And um, in I think March of two thousand five. Martha Stewart walked out of prison and she was wearing a hand crocheted poncho. And we started getting emails from customers saying, oh, is that, is that your pattern? Do you know about that? And we took a look at all the news stories and we saw the yarn, which looked like our yarn. And we said, yes, we do have a pattern for that. And we immediately made a pattern for it put it up on the web, and our website crashed the same day because that's how many people were downloading it. And if people hadn't emailed us and we hadn't responded within minutes, that would never have happened. And it kind of made us see the value of free patterns as part of our strategy. And it was it was a very exciting time. I think what's like so interesting is in the you know in the time period that we're talking about there. I think for a business like yours, and I think we all have you know lessons to learn from this. Is um, you know my, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were you a largely um, you know sort of channel based organization selling through retailers and such. But then the you know when the digital era uh, over the last number of years really rose, it gave you a new opportunity to communicate directly with your base and to build that brand. Directly directly with your audience through, uh, you know, through digital, through email, through social and, and other things. Is that, is that a fair assessment or have you always had a one-to-one relationship with your consumer base? Uh, no, I would say it's true that basically um, I've always worked for companies that sold B2B and whenever there has been a B2C element, what you learn from that is so valuable um, when I first started at Lion Brand, we got letters in the mail and people would 
talk to us about our products, and uh, we had someone who would sit and respond to those letters. And so that was our only contact um, with consumers. And we were when we sold products, we sold to the buyer at a at a major chain. And what what did the buyer want? What was the buyer interested in? And we didn't have the kind of data we have now to back up what we say when we go to speak to a buyer. So um, it's been it's been really valuable in building what's ninety five percent of our business, which is B two B. So let's let's switch into the the topic at hand around the influencer marketing world. And you know, I think as a extension to the last comment, um, you know, it feels like all the great touch points we now have in a, in the digital community, if you will, um, you know, is is enabling us to identify those influencers, to you know, activate them through different means, to reward them, and and to make them really a part of the you know how we go to market. So I'm I'm curious how you think about influencer marketing. You know, what, what does it mean to you? And and in your world um what is an influencer like what kinds of individuals are they are they people are they brands or or how do you think about that um so in the world where people knit and crochet which is really the world we're serving the influencers don't just love the product they live it i mean it's like what it's their passion it's how they spend many 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 hours a day and some of them have built up a very nice size audience and have developed a style of creating designs for their audience and how do they, how they speak to their audience, how they present themselves graphically. And the influencers we are working with, which is pretty much most of the influencers in this community, they're reaching a, an audience that's, I would say, skews a good... 20 years younger on average than our traditional audience. Um, There's a lot of young moms and a lot of 20-somethings, and yet their content turns out to appeal to an older audience because they're middle America, they're, they're practical people, they're moms, and everybody is starting to relate to it. So what we've gotten from our influencer network is there's so much it's hard to describe. One is um, something we do with influencers, which is probably unusual. We use them for product development. So uh, a product would be a pattern to make a, a knitted shawl, let's say, and all the yarn that goes with it and the needles. And they're creating these designs based on their own personal lives and their own needs for making gifts for people or knitting for charity. And they're not picking from a vast array of patterns out there on the internet. They're creating things that relate to them. And so one of the things we do with them, other than the traditional, you know, people writing about us and linking to us, is we actually have them produce uh, products which are yarn and patterns and we sell them on our website and we found incredible success with it so that's one area and the other thing is we look at the way they present themselves graphically and it's turned our heads quite a lot Um, they have a very natural authentic down-to-earth 
style. And many of them are fantastic photographers who are developing their photography all the time. But unlike the brands, which are photographing in studios with professional models, their visual imagery is very relatable. And so we've learned a lot from the way they present themselves, and we've transitioned our own visual imagery and our own style. And so we're kind of on our way to looking more like uh, a brand that happens to be coming from a social network. So it's been it's been very rewarding for us, and we support our our influencers and share their content and hopefully help them grow. And um, so it's not the typical here's here's some money, please plug us. It's um, we tell them when we've got a new product and we send them product to to talk about if they're interested, but. It's been a much more um, involved relationship, and we are influenced by them. So, Alana, I, I want to jump in a little detail. I mean, it's it's a really interesting story, and we hit at the beginning of, of how long Lion Brand has been in business. And to be honest, leading up to the podcast today, I was checking out the website, and I was surprised when I got to the homepage and found, as you've described them, you know, these younger mothers, um, you know, I, I don't want to you know, put an age bracket on anyone on the page, but, you know, it's definitely younger than what I expected coming to the site, thinking about, you know, a yarn company. And as you, you've painted with a lot of examples today in terms of people taking inspiration from a Martha Stewart, or, or if you actually start to get into your content that I was looking at on your blog, a lot of it had, you know, we had like, you know, fun gifs of little kids on them, like, you know, entertainment shows and I think I saw Amy Poehler and Tina Fey doing a high five along the way right like I mean you're definitely appealing to that so I'm <laughs> curious you know because this is content pros and you know I think we're starting to understand how you're using influencers but maybe you can talk about how that feedback from influencers has redefined your content strategy um, so I think it's uh, the visual strategy that it's affected quite a lot. It's uh, the product, uh, the type of product we're developing. So, for example, when our in-house team of designers is designing garments, most of the time they're doing it with a major retail chain in mind. And that chain may not have... Um, more than a few balls of a single color. They may not have the range of yarn that is needed for something that would be something spectacular on someone's wish list. And so it's, it's affected the, the product, but it's also affected our content in terms of getting more casual. What is our look? What is our, um, what is the feel? What is our voice? And um, so it's mostly the way we appear to people online, um, and we're talking more like an individual. It's making it easier for us to talk more like an individual than as a brand. And I know it's kind of what people shoot for, which is don't sound like a company, don't sound like a brand, but it's not always easy to do. And now we kind of can get inside the skin of these people and genuinely sound like an individual 
we let people on our team uh, talk in their own voices, and as long as it's within the general framework of our brand, uh, it seems to work pretty well. And we've been trending towards that more and more over the last six months to a year. That's really interesting. We're going to take a quick break here on the Content Pros podcast, and then we'll be right back with Alana Rabinowitz talking about yarn and talking about how we take these feedback from influencers and spread it through our entire team. Right back after hearing from these sponsors. Hey everybody, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert reminding you that Content Pros is sponsored by Uberflip, a cloud-based platform that helps marketers like you create personalized content experiences to showcase the content you've created. You, not IT, you can create engaging content hubs that your audiences will love. I use it all the time. My team uses it all the time. With Uberflip, you'll deploy content faster, accelerate your lead gen, and enable your sales team with personalized content throughout the sales cycle. Go to uberflip.com pros, uberflip.com pros to find out how you can be a content pro by showing your company that the content experience matters. The show is also brought to you by my friends at Vidyard, the new generation video platform that helps you unlock the power of video today. Love, love, love Vidyard. Use it all the time. Super easy, interactive, personalized video experiences. You can boost your online conversion rates, track the true performance of your video content well beyond the view count. Visit vidyard.com today to see how you can use video to deliver better results across all of your marketing programs. Also want to remind you that my team and I at Convince and Convert have a brand new free ebook I'd love for you to take a look at. Go to bit.ly slash broken content. That's bit.ly slash broken content. It's called The Four Ways to Fix Your Broken Content Marketing. Put a lot of work into it. I think you'll love it. Thanks as always for listening to Content Pros. Now, back to the show. We're back on Content Pros. We're chatting with Alana and we're, we're talking about how we take all of the feedback from our influencers and then we bring that into our brand and bring that into our voice. And I, I was really interested as you were talking about that, Alana, because, um, you know, I was actually also checking out some of your channels to see like, you know, is what you're telling me actually holding true? And I found it pretty interesting. Like I, you know, take Facebook as an example, where if you check out and, you know, the Lion Brand Yarns, uh, experience there um you know it is fun as you said it's very you know young and relatable i think there was one that i saw earlier that talked about you know how old were you when you first learned to knit at the first point right and it's you know very much kind of like a survey to get people to engage with and get involved with um and i was amazed to see that you had like twenty-seven thousand people who just liked that one post, which is, you know, showing that you've got a lot of engagement from a strong following. So I'm curious in terms of how you get to that point. What's what I found interesting on your team, you have a director of influencer marketing. Is it on them to feed that those insights over to whoever's handling your social channel from a content perspective? Um, We all kind of look at it together. The director of influencer marketing is in touch with these influencers on a regular basis. And believe it or not, that it's, it's partly the relationship, which is very important. And one of the things we do is we don't manage our influencers. We give them plenty of leeway and, and he's very good at that. But it's really a very complicated uh, thing to manage the influencer program. There's a lot of 
product that has to get in and out. And because we're using them for product development, managing that process. So he's great organizationally. He's great with the relationships. And um, that's pretty much what he does. And then we, it's not a big team, but we all sit at least twice a week together and look at what's coming down the pike. Um, two of the pe- everyone on my team is, is someone who knits and crochets and some of them are very avid knitters and crocheters. So when they saw the influencer um, program that we just launched, which is our fall winter collection, which is a combination of influencer and in-house designs, they immediately wanted to make these things. And so they said, okay, let's start a knit along, which is like a virtual group happening on the blog. And two of them, three of them actually are going to be making some of these products, talking about them as they work on them, helping people through the process. And it might go for four or five, six weeks for everyone. And so we kind of play off of each other. So is, when I think about um, influencer marketing in our world and in being a, a B2B company in software, for example, um, I, I'm curious because I think about it as I, you know, identifying who are those influencers out there, um, nurturing them, which is, uh, you know, through a variety of things that we can do from a relationship standpoint, and then activating them uh, in the market. And, you know, a big part of that activation for us, tying it back to the theme of content, is to get them to share our content because we know if they can help us amplify the, the messages we're putting out there, the blog posts, the videos, the guides, um, whatever they happen to be, um, you know, those can trickle down into their uh, into their audiences. And there are other activation points that we look at. Um, I'm curious, do you guys have a, you know, is there a similar framework you think about in, in terms of how you manage those influencers? And then how do you relate it back to a content marketer? Like how can a content marketer effectively leverage that influencer community? Do you have any, have any thoughts there? Um, well, we send them product and what they do with that is all their own. So um, we're not dictating that to them. Occasionally, we'll have a major retail chain that needs a push for a new exclusive line that we've got with them or a new yarn that's in their store. And we will ask some of the bloggers to go into the store uh, to write about it. Um, and we'll send them samples and ask them to promote something that we're particularly interested in at the time. Um, I think one of the best things we do is not get too structured with the influencers. Right. They, we, we send a newsletter out to them every week. Here's what we're promoting. Here's what's interesting. Um, you know, can you be a part of this? And, um, and then they choose to promote it. What we get reports every week about the kind of traffic we get from influencers and it's often really huge. Um, and it's often what they've done with our product, what they've created sort of from whole cloth, so to speak, with our product. Um, but we're not dictating to them that much what, what to share, except telling them, well, here's our calendar. If you see something that appeals to you, go for it. I, th- I think it's amazing that they, you know, in your world, they've become uh, the, such a phenomenal source of content. 
right? And it's like that, you know, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous about kind of how you guys have built that out because I think about our own, our own team and, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had this community of influencers who were creating this kind of content, you know, whether it's whatever kind of content it could be and, and, you know, really pushing it out into the market as something that ultimately is, uh, is ties back to our brand. So it's a, it's a really interesting, interesting play. Um, yeah, one of the other things I would call them mini influencers is our customer generated content. Mm. And uh, that's another area where we've learned a lot. We use a lot of it on Instagram. If you've seen our Instagram feed, um, we're pulling a lot of customer content in there. And in this, we've learned a lot from them about what, you know, what works on Instagram because they're you know, they're people who are actually individuals. Um, and one of the things that we've, we've learned is that what you call works in progress are really popular on Instagram. So it's not the finished sweater. Um, and it's not a ball of yarn for sure, but it's something halfway on the needles. It's, you know, 12 rows in and there's a cup of coffee sitting next to it. So it's a sort of in the moment, um, in progress, capturing uh, a moment in time, and they're fantastic at that. It's very time-consuming to create those little vignettes, and if we had to do it all in-house, uh, it would take it would take hours for each Instagram post. But uh, our customers are creating them, and we're sharing them with their permission in our Instagram feed. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it, that's another great example, and and you know in our world um, we we've started to do some similar things. So to give sort of another perspective on that, um, I know in your world you've got sort of physical product, which I think lends itself really well to being able to do imagery around it and things like that. Um, you know, in our world because we're you know we're a software company, it's a little bit different. But we you know we looked at you know one of the challenges our community was facing was we've got a you know we've got a tool for recording and sending personal video messages as part of a sales process or a marketing program or whatnot. And we found just through listening and, and engaging with the community, one challenge they were facing was just like ideas and best practices for, you know, what, what kinds of videos should I create? How should I look on camera? Should I, you know, wear a funny hat? Like what are the tricks to get people to pay <laughs> attention to it? Right. And so I think in a very similar way, we started to source from the community and encourage people to share some of their own examples of, you know, videos they've done that have worked well, ones that didn't. Um, and we've, we've really started to focus a community program around that as a way for people to, um, you know, both with the community as well as out on social as a way to, to share some of that knowledge. And so I think even for a software company like us, there's a, you know, I think a, a corollary. And I think a lot of businesses could, could come up with creative ways to encourage their audiences to create some kind of content that helps show how your product is solving a problem or how they're doing something interesting in their day-to-day -day life with, um, you know, the solution that you offer. Yeah, Tyler, I think that's so right. I, I, I ended the day, what I think you're mm -hmm. really hitting on is just give an opportunity for your army of, of potential advocates to engage with you, right? I mean, and that's what people want. They want to communicate. They want to have conversations with you. They want to feel part of the brand. I think, Alana, that's something that you guys have done such a great job with. Um, you know, we try and do that even ourselves. As, as you said, it's harder with software, Tyler. And, you know, we, we feel that sometimes. And you've probably got one of these. We have these, you know, silly swag items that are pink headbands for Uberflip, right? And, uh, 
I know you are. I know you are. I'm wearing mine right now, Randy. I'm wearing it right now. And it's funny. I mean, we've had fun campaigns where we just had people posting photos of them wearing those. Unfortunately, I don't know if they've been knit, Alana. They're they're still pretty slick. But, uh, you know, the idea is just to to call on, on all these people who believe in your brand, believe in what they're doing. And I think it adds that legitimacy that you've been talking a lot about today, Alana. Yeah, I think it's really, I mean, the hardest thing to do is to remember as a brand that it's not about you and it's about them. And so we give them center stage and um, they, you know, they have insight because it is, they are them, that um, it's really what they put out there is 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 completely honest and perfect and um, when we focus on them and what they do and what they come up with um, that gives us the best results so we're we're just running low on time but you know we always like to get to know our guests a little bit and you know we always try and change this part of the show up i I took a couple of notes on some like rapid fire questions so we're going to hit you with you know a bunch of questions just to get a bit of your personal taste and i feel like we've talked so much about um you know yarn and knitting so i'm going to start off with first of all a basic question before i get to the rapid fire is there a difference for for those of us who are laymen uh between crochet and knit and what is that uh yes knitting is done with two needles and crochet, and there's a particular way you create this, the fabric and the stitch, and crochet is done with one hook. And there's actually, um, some people do both, but it's almost like two different religions. And when we promote crochet patterns, the knitters say you never give us enough attention. When we promote uh, crochet patterns, the knitters say the same thing. And... Um, it's 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 really funny. There are two different ways of working with yarn, and they create different kinds of results. But now, as time has gone on, it used to be crochet was kind of an old-fashioned hobby, and knitting was the more hip upscale. And now the knitters have found all kinds of uh, modern ways of using yarn, including, you may have heard of yarn bombing. And... Um, they are creating yarn on outside uh, to decorate outside installations and telephone poles. And so it's become a very hip thing. All right. So, so speaking of hip, and this is where we're going to get into the, the rapid fire. We've only got three or four here. So the first one is, what is hotter these days, crocheting or knitting? It depends who you are. So they're the very, very... This is, this is rapid yeah. fire. Come on, we need... Oh. Oh, okay. I, I, I know okay, it's sorry. hard to be... What's uh, hotter? Uh, I can't say because I'm going to offend someone. <laughs> that's, that's the fun of it, right? <laughs> no, they, it really right, is well, a totally well, different thing. Political answer there. All right, what's your favorite yarn color? Um, black. I'm from New York. All right, fair, fair. Okay, what's your favorite season of the year? Fall. As far as oh, you, okay, easy fall. one. Fall, oh, I love it. I there take rides go. every weekend. Fantastic. All right, and then we'll we'll finish with fun. We're talking about colors. We think of the fall colors. What about favorite ice cream flavor or color that that you go with or color that's associated with it? Anything with chocolate is good with me. 
Sounds good. Sounds delicious. This is this has been a ton of fun, Alana. Thank you so much for joining us. It was really a different perspective than I think we often get here on Content Pros, understanding how to leverage our influencers to drive the types of content, the tri- types of messaging that we're putting out as marketers. And it's been really interesting to understand how how not just you know you over the the tenure you've had with the company, but the company as a whole has adapted for you know what is it 140 years? You said. Yep. This. January. Pretty, pretty amazing. Well, listen, we look forward to you know having you back for the 150th year anniversary <laughs> of the company, and I'm I'm sure you will be you know continuing to set trends. On behalf of Tyler at Vidyard, I'm Randy at Uberflip. This has been the Content Pros Podcast. Please let us know what's been working for you. You can find all the other Content Pros podcasts at contentprospodcast.com or on iTunes or Stitcher, and that's where you can leave some of those reviews and feedback for us to let us know what can help you in your content execution. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com. 